Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. I am Ile. I am a singer from Puerto Rico. I, with my music, I think I, what I like the most is uh, to connect, you know, and enjoy. <laughs> Tengo el corazón expuesto, siento que me puedes ver. Te pido no hagas un gesto que me pueda enternecer. Mi envoltura es delicada, no me sabe proteger. Me amenaza tu mirada de aguaceros por caer. I'm a big fan of boleros and salsa, and I feel that when I've listened to female bolero singers, eh, I feel that not always they didn't say as much as I would like. Mm. Some songs they did, um, but at the same time, I know that some songs were written by men as well. They mm. weren't necessarily written by women. So, you know, it's sometimes I feel like, oh, if she could just like push a little more and mm -hmm. just be more direct to what she's actually trying to say. I mean, it depends. But now we're living in a different moment. And I feel that now we, we can be more direct in the way we want to say things and transmit them. So um, especially in feminism and... And in our situations as women, I always, like, I know we always see more of the macro, but I, I try to speak more about the, my, the, the micro, micro mm -hmm. machismos, <laughs> uh, because they are still there. And I think they're, sometimes they're, they can turn into bigger problems. So I think it's important to attend those that we tend to normalize more and maybe go and like, you don't notice as much that they're there. So for me, I try to speak about, about them more. Well, hey again, everybody. You're once again tuned in to the show on the road. I'm your Sonic Spelunker, Z Lupitan, and uh, each week we like to talk to artists, songwriters, band leaders from all over the world. And uh, as you just heard, we're talking to the Puerto Rican singer-songwriter and pop star Ile, the artist formerly known as Ileana Mercedes Gabre Yoglar. It's said that Ile began to sing before she could even speak. And it makes sense. Uh, she grew up in San Juan in a vibrant musical family. Her uh, brothers started Calle Trece, which she sang in for over a decade. And she listened to the voices of her mother, who was a singer and actress, and her grandmother, Flor Amelia de Gracia, who was a composer in her own right. And in this conversation, we sit down to talk about her new record, Nacarile, which came out in 2022 and features an amazing collection of Latina singers. Here she is, Ile. Nunca pensé que te me aparecieras aquí 
en la penumbra de mis desatientos. This is, this is not your first time in L.A., right? No. And you're here on a torrential downpour, yeah. crazy <laughs> storm. <laughs> this is not what it's like here. Okay? I know, I know. This is actually my first time like this, you know? I'm, I'm like, where am I? This is not L.A. <laughs> I know, and if you were here, I think, uh, let's see, a week ago, you would have actually seen snow know, in a lot I of part it. of town, which is pretty insane. Yeah. I Once every it. about 50 years, maybe? I saw it in the plane when I was arriving, like the mountains with snow on top. I was like, whoa, <laughs> crazy. I don't think it's ever snowed in San Juan, right? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> then you know the world is really ending. You know? <laughs> oh, no, please don't. <laughs> But you uh, you put out this uh, this new record, is Nacarile, is that how you say it? Yeah. When you felt like you were a part of the world ending, right? Mm-hmm. The pandemic obviously upended so many things, but there's this feeling of adriftness, of, of floating, of lack of uh, purpose. And when, obviously, you're a performer, you're a writer, you have to seek out those points of connection. And then all of a sudden you're told... It's illegal to do that, right? Yeah. Like to sing in public, to meet up with your friends, Mm -hmm. to collaborate, you literally physically can't do that. Mm -hmm. What did that feel like in the first few months of the pandemic? Terrible. It was crazy. And in Puerto Rico, like we depend on being outside and going to the beach and (laughs) and talking to people. That's our almost like our survival way. So it was it was super crazy and and obviously not be not not having a chance to to be with family members that we are always um, sharing time together. So it was it was not cool at all. <laughs> and the island was still recovering from you know the hurricane Hurricane yeah. Maria. Even for folks who follow the news, who have so much empathy for what Puerto Rico went through, it's not talked about enough, especially in in the mainland, people sort of forgot that it ever happened, mm-hmm. right? Is is the island still sort of going through the trauma of that hurricane? Yeah, I think we've, like, we've gone through many traumas. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I think it's, we're, we're still healing from the Hurricane Maria, but I think what's worse has been, like, after the hurricanes, we've had, like, the mismanagement of the government's and our colonial status that, you know, it became like the hurricane and mm. every tragedy that Puerto Rico has gone through, it becomes instantly like a beneficial for wealthy people. Mm. And now we're like in the crisis of gentrification and and everything is so it's not affordable to live in Puerto Rico anymore. Throughout this country, you know, there's this crisis of housing, health care and education Mm -hmm. and how you actually move up to be a part of the quote-unquote American dream, right? Yeah, Um, whatever that is. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you have been outspoken, openly political in in your records from the beginning, and obviously your uh, brothers in Calle Trece have, I think, you know, laid the groundwork for uh, political songwriting as something that can hit the mainstream and be Mm -hmm. accepted. is there a sense that on this record you wanted to say something deeper, that you wanted to hit a little harder than previous records? 
No, I, I think uh, last my last album, Almadura, was pretty... I feel that Almadura was super rough and was more based on... I, I was feeling angry at the time with that album, so it became like very rigid. So I wasn't planning at all to have anything like that in this album, but everything changed, you know. Uh, I, it became a little more personal than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I always feel the need to speak about what is going on, you know, around mm -hmm. me. So it does have, obviously, some social songs <laughs> in between. Estoy peleando con dos lados de mí Que caminan sobre una cuerda floja Quieren respuestas que no sé contestar Y todo lo que soy se descontrola Me muevo por corrientes sin dirección Y esquivo normas que no tienen sentido Es una trampa en la que vuelvo a caer I love the the opening of the record. Um, feels like we're opening this door to like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> now we are right now on the Sony lot nearby where they shot Wizard of Oz mm. at the Culver Hotel down the street uh, is where all the uh, munchkins would, would stay during the shoot. <laughs> you can see all the pictures of them. Um, did you want to create a cinematic almost, you know, intro to the record? I, I, that song, I always think I have like a, a guilty pleasure, guilty, yes, like yes, a guilty yeah. pleasure song. And that was my guilty pleasure song. But I, I wasn't planning it as an intro. But when I, I did it, it was like, like, I, I didn't know where else to put that song. It was like, it just gave me intro vibes. And also it speaks about feeling adrift. And you know, finding someone suddenly out of nowhere and just like living in a dream in a way. Uh, and also like the ocean and everything and that ambiguity. So I I actually was, I, I, I like a, a Cuban female uh, uh, group that is from the 50s, I think, that um, is called El Cuarteto de Aida. Mm. And their voicings are like super dreamy and it, it likes from, from the era, you know. So I did wanted to have that feel, but also I wanted the musicality to feel a little more contemporary. So it has that mix and I wanted to have that kind of mysterious feeling as, as you could feel yourself like really adrift and in the sea and in the ocean. Yeah, that song, uh, A La Toriva, is with uh, Flor de Toloache, is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the vocal layering almost reminds me of those... 50s, 60s musicals, you know, that were made at MGM, um, which is now Sony. But the <laughs> the 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 level of vocal lushness is very uh, focused there. And when you guys recorded that, did you sing it all in one room, or did you do it sort of layer by layer? Well, uh, I think everything in this album was made from a distance, mm. unfortunately. But the, except Natalia Furcade's song that was. 
we recorded it together like right before the pandemic. Mm. So um, with Floretto Loache, um, I spoke with them and I told her, I told them that my idea. So it was very fun. Like I was, I wanted to do this like quartet, female quartet. Mm. And we we actually, like we were three record, recording, but we, one of them like uh, recorded twice. So um, it was, it was super fun because like I, I did the, I did the melody like very um, flowing, you know, mm -hmm. and then afterwards with Bayoan, that is one of my guitar players, he helped me out with the harmonies. I I did like a very non-technical harmonies just so he could understand like what type of harmony I wanted to play with. And then he corrected me some notes. And then when I had it all like recorded with my voices, I sent it to, to Floretto Loache and they recorded each voice. So, and the music was... We did only like a very small uh, bass, mm -hmm. like Ismael Cancel, that is my producer and myself, but we didn't have as much. And we told Truco, that is a, a producer, um, Jeff Jeffrey Peñalva, and he worked on the music and he gave it all that dreamy feel mm -hmm. and that song. So it was crazy because he didn't have as much and I just told him what I was thinking, but I said, I don't know if he's going to to make it happen let's see what 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 happens and then he caught it perfectly and i loved what he did well you do an amazing job of of connecting some of the more acoustic sounds uh of latino genres you admit that you change your sound almost record to record do you ever fear that people are going to be like i don't even know what she is like <laughs> like, like what do i call her music I, mean, I have a band that tours around that i feel like the same way sometimes we're like 5 years ago we were playing kind of folk music and old time kind of jazz stuff and now we're playing like rock and roll and funk <laughs> and so the people five years ago are like what happened to that band that I liked you know <laughs> but I guess if you can make it a feature and not a bug like I'm always changing yeah. right you know like what are you going to do next a heavy metal album I, you know? I feel that uh, genres can limit yeah. my my work you know like I, I cannot think in genres when I'm working on something and I just do what I feel like doing obviously there is something that I feel that I need to feel that it's me that I feel myself mm -hmm. doing it that I'm not that it doesn't feel forced that it feels natural and and I think it, it could also be a part of me in a way but yeah I'm constantly knowing myself you know and 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 learning new things and new sounds and new ways of of keep doing this so I, I, why keep it just one path when you can play with whatever you like, so and you worked with the uh, Mexican uh, Chilean Mexican musician Mon Laferte uh, on Traguito. Traguito. Uh, yeah. yeah, I apologize in advance for me butchering every name no, on no, this record. You have been great. That's um, why I just corrected you. Yeah, <laughs> but you kind of turn a, a bolero on its head, sort of saying, you know, that the machismo that exists in a lot of that music um, mm -hmm. needs to be almost like re-examined or like <laughs> kind of poked, you know? Yes, um, constantly. <laughs> because like people grow up listening to certain music and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's just the music of my parents or yeah, my grandparents. Exactly. It's great, you know? Mm -hmm. And you you obviously have a nostalgia probably that is part of why you love this music and then you realize it's a lot of violence and, and kind of derogatory language about women in these, yeah. you know? A lot. 
<laughs> How do you kind of uh, honor the tradition of boleros, but also like push it in a new direction? En papel de la sufrida, voy a vivirme la escena de borracha y destruida, de tristeza y luna llena, llorando su despedida. Desangro por las venas, salpico alcohol en la herida, como si ardiera la pena. So that song about Draguito, eh, it's, it, it's criticizing, it's more of a satire, uh, but it's criticizing eh, the, that typical thing that a lot of men say that women are difficult and are complicated. So Like, why do you think they are difficult or complicated? Is it because they're not pleasing you? They're not doing what you want them to do? <laughs> right. No, because we, we, we are not made for that. Like, we're, we're not made or born to please patriarchy or to please men. Like, we're, we're not, like, not going to be like that. So uh, we are here to feel free and respected. Uh, so if you don't want if you're not okay with that well it's your problem your problem is not mine so it's what this song is about yeah i think the the loose translation of that chorus is it's not that i was difficult it's the i was the way i wanted to be mm -hmm. right like i wanted to actually be seen and, and and heard and not in the version that you thought i should be exactly you know yeah um you know working with someone like Ivy Queen, mm -hmm. you know, who's never been afraid of anything, mm -hmm. at least in her music, um, yeah. um, on the song Algo Bonito. Like, did you feel a little intimidated finally being able to work with her or was it just like a kind of an awesome thrill? Well, both. I, yeah. mean, <laughs> I was intimidated, but it was an awesome thrill. <laughs> but obviously because I respect her so much and and we are from different generations, so... I mean, obviously, I wanted to be super respectful with her, and I was very aware uh, that uh, um, um, that we understood each other very well in what we wanted to say and how we wanted to say it. So we had a very great conversation and very good communication throughout everything. So obviously, it's weird when you don't know each other. So I, I didn't know her at the time, and... And I just wrote to her, and she was intrigued, and she liked the song when I sent it to her. So it was it was a cool vibe, but it was still like from a distance. Like mm. I, I was basically talking to a stranger, if I will. Right. Be. So um, it was it was like it's always it's it's a little you you have to like read everything at the same time. But I felt that she was super nice all the time, and I felt that she was comfortable and 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 myself too. So. For me, it's super important to have that connection at first because if I'm not feeling that, I'm not gonna force a collab if, if like the energy is not right. in the right place. So it was super fun working with her. Más vale que las palabras lindas te rindan O por mi descendencia los ovarios que me guindan Me importa poco de lo que me tildan Nunca he creído que calladita me veo más linda Cuando escupo es como fuego y ácido Se ve que tu palabra es como tu desflacido Yo los mato rápido, el ritmo decapitó Yo chambeo, pla, plazo automático Yo nunca me la voy a dejar montar Si es grande tu ego el mío de tamaño colosal Y la cobertura es Well, it's like connecting to that other song, you know, the idea that 
I don't look pretty when I'm quiet, you know, yeah. that like speaking out and, and being loud is part of my power and my beauty, you know. Um, is, the, is the genre or the, the style that she's part of, is it called Urbano, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, in a way, like the, I guess the American equivalent would be like hip hop and rap, you know, where someone like Missy Elliott or whatever can be powerful and respected, but not have to be you know, the traditional yes. skinny, cute, quiet yeah, she's, she's lady. She's just as she wants to be. She's uh, like that, a badass that like is actually kind of scary for some guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's what's awesome about her. You know? Yeah, because uh, patriarchy is afraid of, of feeling free and being yourself, you know? Patriarchy has, like, weird rules that nobody understands, you know? Even if we are accustomed to them we still don't understand why we are following them you know and and that's why what feminism is about actually of, of reminding ourselves that that we are not living the way we should be we like it, it is a problem that uh, people feel that they have to adapt to other ways you know and just not feeling free of however they want to be and and as women is as well and also as a Puerto Rican a colonial uh, island, you know, uh, it, it feels pretty much the same. Like anything that it's oppressing you from doing or or feeling how you want to, it's it's not right. And and it's crazy that we have been like has been so many years that we have lived like this. So we are unlearning many things at the same time. And I feel that uh, this song also algo bonito is about that. It's about that confrontation and that you know that. Tired, tiredness of, you know, feeling that we need to be uh, submissive all the time and, you know, uh, it, it like like that, like a lot of things that we, we talked about. Were your parents people that instilled this sort of sense of independence and, and empowerment in you or did you have to learn that later on? I feel that um, we're a big family and I enjoy the conversations we have um, and because we trust in each other so much, like we're not, I feel that we have that um, that space of just discussing and debating uh, any topic, you know, from this and and giving our own perspectives and questioning them. Like, okay, like if you think like this, like why do you think, where do you think it comes from? Mm -hmm. like, and my, our brothers and sisters, we all come from almost like a different generation. So... I feel that we are very aware of many things, but we still have a lot to learn that we, we don't know about. And and in the conversation, I feel it's when we uh, um, get deeper into this, because that's why I say it's so important, not only in a more, you know, academic way of, you know, uh, giving like in schools and in families, like, talking about this more deeply, but also like in lighter conversations with friends and family members, like we don't have to, uh, we, you, we don't have to feel that we, we have to settle or deal with things that we're not comfortable with. Like it's okay if we respect, respectfully talk about these things with family members, even if you're afraid about how they're going to think or whatever, like just, just questioning and giving perspective, of sharing perspectives, you know, because like suddenly we, we tend to attack the other. Uh, but then when you get deeper into the background, it's like, oh, like it's because they come from another trauma that mm -hmm. they haven't healed yet. So it's just like 
it, it's a it's a chain of toxic things. <laughs> it's like whenever my folks, you know, my parents will say something, and they're mostly politically liberal, I would say, but there's like some blind spots. Love you, mom and dad, but like, <laughs> you know, whenever there's some things that they say that I'm like, whoa, it's like I remember. Oh yeah, they're they're from the 1950s, <laughs> right? My 96 year old grandma, God bless her. It's like she was born in the 1920s. <laughs> like the amount of trauma and yeah, yeah. you know World War II and Crazy. the depression and back then you lost your mother in childbirth. That's mm-hmm. like what she came into the world with, almost like an orphan, you know. Yeah. And it's amazing I think how people have forgotten that people uh, especially who seem to be okay mm-hmm. have gone through way more things than they'll ever talk about. Um, yeah. uh, when you see, you know, your brothers in Calle Trece going on stage and, and, and creating this whole um, successful career and then you start singing, you know, behind them, was that something that you knew that you could do it too, like from a very young age? I was beside them, not behind them. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, but not The not internet really. said background singer. I'm striking this from the record. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, I I feel that I've always known that I was going to be in music. Like, I, since I was little, like, it was just my thing. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm the little one of the house that we grew up in, in Calle Terese. So I feel that I was super, you know, I was like... A, I don't want to say puppet, but if I say, like, it's in a good way, uh, but, you know, like, oh, like, the little one, and, you know, yeah. jokes, and, and yo, sing this, and sing that, and do this, and do that, and I was, like, oh, having fun and doing it, but I, I really enjoyed music because I remember music in my house all the time, not only my parents, music, my brothers and sisters and everything, so I, f- I knew that I was going to be in music, but I started with the piano, so I thought I was going to be a pianist. And I've always sang, but I I never seen it as something as serious. Mm. So um, then everything changed, and that's when my brothers, you know, I I, I was in choruses and and things, but when my brothers invited me to be a part of their group, it, uh, I mean, it wasn't as it wasn't like we want you to be a part. It was just oh, sing this mm. <laughs> and then sing that. So I was just going with the flow and enjoying it because actually we weren't expecting any of that to mm. happen with Calle Trece, you know, nobody of us. So we were just really enjoying and having a lot of fun. And and it was just like that. It was just super, super exciting to to be with them and travel and, and know different cultures and the world and, and all that. Uh, but I, I mean, they always said that I, they always said since the beginning that I was going to do an album, but I said to them, stop saying that because I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Like, mm-hmm. but then after Calle 13 stopped, like I felt that I wanted to explore to see what happened. So in a way, yeah, but I wasn't pushing it. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see what the universe wanted for me. <laughs> Atrévete, tete, salte del closet, destápate, quítate el esmalte, deja de taparte, que nadie va a retratarte, levántate, ponte hyper, préndete, sácale chispa al starter, préndete en fuego como un lighter, sacúdete el sudor como si fuera un wiper, que tú eres callejera, street fighter, cambia esa cara de seria, esa cara de intelectual, de enciclopedia, que te voy a inyectar con la bacteria. Que te vuelta como machina de feria. 
you actually uh, directed um, a music video, right? For Escobando yeah. uh, Me De Mi. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you're literally throwing yourself off the edge of this, you know, abyss, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then your your voice is kind of altered with autotune, and it and it's you can see the the modern sound merging with the old school sound <laughs> in one song, which is really cool. Um, how did you decide to make that video and and to give that sense of sort of falling in love, literally like off the edge? <laughs> well, I I never I always say that I never wanted to direct because I feel that it's a it's a space where I, that I respect a lot, and I, I don't know. I'm more like more into music, you know. I'm not. I I love, uh, you know, what what the magic of it, you know. But I'm. I didn't see myself directing, so I felt that in this song it was like almost like an impulse, mm. where I said like fuck it, like I'm going to I'm going to do this, like I'm super scared, like I feel super insecure of everything but I'm going to do this and I felt that like even the song is about that it's about taking that leap of faith in whatever you want to do like it's it might lean towards like a love thing but I feel that it can connect to other things in life uh, where you feel like uncertain and unsure but at the same time you have like this fiery Mm. feeling that you feel that you need to do it so I felt like that also directing the video, but I luckily I had like a great team with me that I know them like since many years ago. So I felt uh, comfortable, even though I felt scared all the time. So I think in a way it connected with the whole (laughs) uh, theme of the song, and and I enjoyed it. But it was obviously it was like even if for me it was sort of simple, it was ambitious because like Mm -hmm. it, it. like it was like a whole art um, thing during the video uh, and it, it was like a lot everything is a lot in movies and in videos Do you remember the first person that you had a crush on? Uh, How do you say having a crush in Spanish? Bueno, we can say like a crush, but... We in Puerto Rico use crush like in English. Like <laughs> it, uh, but yeah, like when I was five years old, I was like very... Like if I like someone, I just like kiss them. And <laughs> 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 like n- n- I don't know where where that side of me like went there because I'm not like that at all but when I was five I was all over the place <laughs> I mean we always remember that first moment there was this girl in my kindergarten who walked in and I remember she had perfume on and like she had like sparkles or like glitter in her hair Aww. and I was like I don't know what this girl's about <laughs> and I know I'm like four years old but like she is like where it's at and then we ended up going out in high school, like oh, later really? on. It was, it was like wow. a really funny thing. Wow, that's a She's like, I never story. wore glitter in my hair. I'm like, oh, yeah, you did, <laughs> for sure. Aww. All right, last song I want to ask you about is a um, collaboration you did with uh, Natalia mm-hmm. uh, in Cantos. 
Um, obviously, she is a you know big star in her own right in Mexico and, and around the world. But um, marrying your two voices together, like what was that? What was that feeling like? Well, it was interesting because like I know that we can connect with more traditional songs. Like I already knew that. But I wanted to see what happened if we explored with something different, like, mm -hmm. and and I did this song that it's like it has like a witchy vibes. I don't know yeah. <laughs> that I like, uh, but it's basically about you know when you idealize someone so much, and when you get closer to that, maybe you like it more, or maybe you don't like it at all. Uh, but it's that moment when you're feeling like this person is like God or whatever. Todas tus luces me brillan y me alumbran por dentro. Todas tus luces me brillan y me alumbran por dentro. Y tus ojos me acuchillan cuando me los encuentro. Tus ojos me acuchillan el alma cuando me los encuentro. So um, I feel that I it, it was fun like working with her and, and she liked it and she enjoyed it and I felt like she was like uh, playing around with different vocal styles. So for me it was fun like to play around with that because I wanted to do something a little more dancey and a, and a little uh, you know different different. So uh, I I was obviously I was afraid that I, I wanted her to feel comfortable. But I felt that she enjoyed it and like she went with the flow, so so it was cool. It was cool working with her, and, but it was you know it's always risky uh, with with everything. Like you, you don't know what's gonna happen, but that is the fun part as well. Well, I'm really glad that you're here in LA. Hopefully, the rain parts and disappears, so we can actually get you some real LA weather. <laughs> yeah. You've already had avocado toast today, so that's <laughs> uh, you're doing your LA duty. Yeah, I am. Maybe at your show someone famous will show up. If you could have your choice, which Hollywood star would what? be in the front row? What? No. It could happen. Star. Oh, I don't know. I Hollywood it's it's weird. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Hollywood is messed up. Well, I think I Bad wanna, I think I Bad Bunny lives here now since he's no. dating Kendall Jenner. But right? I that know was, Bad Bunny. I I know him already. <laughs> well, we should, maybe then he should come. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Whoever wants to go, like, and it's you know, it's cool. They they can go. But I don't know. Hollywood is toxic. <laughs> On that note, you heard it here first. <laughs> Well, thanks again. I'm glad you uh, put this stuff into the world. It's really awesome. <laughs> Thank you.
she goes. Big thanks to Ile and the team at Sony for letting me uh, talk with her a couple months back. Uh, I'm a big fan of this new record, Nakarile. Uh, you can check out her website, ilevitable.com. And uh, you might notice if you've listened to the show on the road for a few years that we're not like a lot of uh, other music interview podcasts. I'm about the songs, okay? I want to hear the music. Uh, Cuando Te Miro is the track uh, you're hearing right now uh, featuring Rodrigo Cuevas. What a beautiful vocal intro there. And I, I really urge you to actually listen to records as they're supposed to be listened to from top to bottom. It's easy to get distracted these days. Maybe you listen to one single that's at the top of their Spotify most popular list. Uh, dive a little deeper. Do yourself a favor. And uh, if you are a fan of my band, Dust Bowl Revival, uh, I urge you to listen to the last track of the records we put out. That's kind of the track that the songwriter secretly wishes were first. <laughs> uh, we're going to be playing some shows coming up in the Midwest. Uh, yes, we're playing in my hometown, Chicago, uh, at Fitzgerald's on uh, the 17th. Uh, the 16th, the day before, we're playing at the beautiful Stoughton Opera House outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And then on the 18th, Saturday night, we'll be in Minnesota at Dakota, where uh, Prince used to play. As always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Z. Lupitan, and we are a part of the mighty Osiris Podcast Network. A big thanks to Vos in L.A. who left us a new review on the Apple Podcast page. It really helps get people to find our show. He says he loves being a fly on the wall on these conversations, and uh, that's what I love being, too, just diving into an artist's repertoire and finding uh, how these songs came to be. If you love music sung in Spanish as much as I do, uh, check out our episode with Silvana Estrada. She is an amazing artist from uh, Mexico who is really becoming a star in her own right. I'm going to see her at Disney Hall on Friday night. And we'll be having a taping with Monsieur Perrin from Colombia coming up as well. So look out for that. Okay, guys, I'm going to sign off there. Stay safe, stay creative, and we'll see you on the trail. Por su río. Se hizo pena por el camino Y me atascaste en tu abismo Solo en sonrío Y me atascaste en tu abismo Solo en sonrío Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story 
is the best song.